welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. Uh, we have a little bit different uh, setup this week. We have a guest. Uh, we're, we're joined today by Mark Davis, the cultural negotiator. Uh, welcome, Mark. Hi, Mark. Squirrel, Jeff, thank you both uh, for having me. Excited to be here. All right. And um, I'm excited to have Mark today. I think what he's going to talk about is very useful to our audience. He's going to be talking about this uh, cultural intelligence framework that uses differences to deliver innovative solutions. And this is very timely uh, for Squirrel and I. We were speaking at all the talks, this online conference just yesterday. And one of the points we made in, in talking about Agile conversations is that um, so often when you have a group of people trying to make a decision, when you think about what we espouse is that differences, uh, it, it, that the diversity really should be a, a strength for that group decision-making, that the, the more views, the more backgrounds, the more we can bring to that conversation, uh, the more choices we have and the better decisions we should make. But in practice, we tend to see those differences as a threat. So there's kind of this dilemma there. And um, I think, Mark, you have some material for us that might uh, help address this. Um, can you tell us a bit about uh, what is this framework of cultural intelligence? And you, you told me there's um, different dimensions or, or types of, of, of uh, values and, and also capabilities. So uh, tell us about the uh, cultural, cultural intelligence framework. I appreciate that. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. And I think it is, it is timely connecting with um, the current uh, topic of conversation. Um, but ultimately, cultural intelligence is uh, a science-based science research capability to function effectively in a variety of, of cultural contexts. So the framework, the entire focus of the framework is to understand your own preferences and recognize that other people have preferences and a difference of perspective it's your ability to adapt to the different perspectives of all parties concerned and indeed leverage and embrace those differences as a way to drive truly innovative solutions. And cultural intelligence is something that I think is very much underutilized and given the current climate we're in and I think we'll continue to be in moving forward, notion of cultural intelligence, I think, is only going to become more and more valuable uh, as time passes. That makes a lot of sense. I can, I can, I'm already intrigued. Uh, as you were talking, it reminded me of something we've discussed on this podcast before, which is the OODA loop, which is the uh, observe, orient, decide, act uh, loop. And one of the uh, elements, I remember when I first read it, and it talked about the orientation, which is where you've you've had some stimulus and now you're trying to figure out how to adapt, is that your orientation in part is influenced by your cultural background. And, yes. And it sounds like uh, that um, understanding both your own background and how it impacts you and how different uh, cultural values would impact you uh, would be very helpful. I, I think what what you've alluded to is something that has been around for in various guises for 20 years plus what eq and cultural intelligence has done is given it uh, a name given it a language and uh, developed a framework that allows someone to to move from acknowledging and recognizing that they have differences between themselves and, and another party or an individual and it's given mode and, and a way of being able to understand and then adapt to those differences. 
Right, and that's so that's that's the cap the values you identify your own values. It's understanding where your uh, culture is, uh, preferences are, and then your capabilities is understand is your ability to deal with others. Is that is that right? This the split between those two elements. Correct. So and, um, a couple of examples always help. So when when we think of cultural values, there there are ten that are recognised across the globe, and um, as it happens, there are ten clusters um, around the globe, cultural clusters. We'll, we'll park that notion for a moment. The mnemonic I use that helps me remember all 10 is, funny enough, is, is I am culture. You take the <laughs> I am culture and, and, and uh, funny enough, they, you, know, you can walk and talk through. Um, but out of I am culture, if we um, took I, which um, is the value of individualism through to collectivism, um, that's something that I think we can all relate to and particularly, um, you know, um, any countries with Anglo-Saxon uh, lineage, um, this idea of an emphasis of individual goals, individual rights, and that can be something that for for well, actually, it is it is something for for me personally, which is a, a very strong preference of mine in how I communicate, how I think about driving solutions, um, I, how I see the success of a project or a, a negotiation. Um, that. That thing, that idea, um, would be very alien to someone at the other end of the I spectrum who is much more of a collectivist, and that mm. typically could be someone of uh, what we refer to um, as Confucian Asian of origin, so Thai or Japanese, South Korean, um, also certain parts of Latin America, and of course for them, uh, coming into a group and looking to drive a solution, they are looking at emphasis on the group goals and uh, the, the maintenance of personal relationships. So in that example, you can see how we might have the same goal, but how I think about getting to it versus how someone who is of South Korean origin, and, and I stress these are stereotypes uh, for a reason, um, we might start to clash over how we go about doing it. Right. Another great example, um, which often chimes with people, is um, if you were to go to the M in I am culture, um, those are uh, people who are very uh, monochronic or linear in how they approach looking at a solution or a task. Um, and that's the emphasis on one thing at a time. And in fact, being very punctual and deliberate in taking one agenda item or one uh, project point at a time and dealing with it almost in isolation. And again, that's very Anglo-Saxon. Uh, in preference, so those countries like America, like the UK, uh, New Zealand, Canada, um, and also some of the Germanic European countries, Germany being the obvious one, say there, Austria. Now, if you had in the group someone who is very at the other end of that M category, very polychronic, uh, polychronic, excuse me, or non-linear, well, you can see their emphasis are on multitasking, and uh, again, they might well be more um, used to jumping around the agenda items or looking ahead to the tasks that you've got in a particular project or to deliver against a certain uh, deadline. And again, the challenge for those who are running running you know, businesses, running uh, teams is, well, how do I get the best out of um, all these individuals that have different in how they want to attack the problem or generate a, a solution? And that's where the the recognition and use of the capabilities comes in. 
So the, the usual problem with this kind of thing is that, um, that it, it tends to over-classify and tends to, to over-specify how people are. And the, the classic um, one that many of our listeners may have encountered is the Myers-Briggs, in whatever it is, I can't remember, um, personality profile or something like that, that um, says right. you're, a, uh, you're an introvert, extrovert, something, and therefore um, you don't like peace. Um, you know, it, gets, it can get rather silly. <laughs> so I'm sure that's not what you intend. Um, so how would I apply this? So I'm, I'm about to go uh, negotiate with a very difficult client partner. Um, I have a, a customer who uh, has a, um, a client of theirs who has been very... Um, uh, ineffective and has flip-flopped multiple times. Um, they're a, a difficult client. Uh, how, how would I use this? Would I try to typify the people on the other side of the negotiating table? Would I, um, uh, what, what kinds of things would I be doing that would help me to, um, in, in that situation, for example? Uh, it's a very good question. So in, in that example, um, we would um, establish first and foremost and keeping with the, the idea of individualism, um, through to collectivism and monochronic through to polychronic, let's say that they are um, individualists in their in their preference of how they'd like to negotiate with you and, and how they view the success of um, conversation um, or the discussion. And they're very linear, so they want one thing at a, at a time. And you, you've, you've expressed that they sort of flip-flop in their decision-making. That might well be down to the fact that um, they, they are uh, juggling a lot of things all at once and are struggling themselves in, in, in dealing with that because they like to do things one one at a time. Let's make that assumption. I think it's fair because uh, this this group this is a group of uh, people in healthcare and um, the people in healthcare, as you can imagine, are, are having a rather difficult time just now. And they, they tend to be quite linear in their thinking because they want to do things like differential diagnoses to figure out whether somebody has, I don't know, um, uh, COVID-19. That's that's the sort of thing that they're thinking. So that that would be a good example. Then how would I use this? So let's let's suppose we've typified them in that way. What what would I do differently, or how would I act? Well, how would that help me? So in understanding that there are, um, when you're thinking about the individual, um, there are there are things that you can do which are I would refer to as more tactical approaches to dealing with the individual. And then there is there are the capabilities that I was referring to before, which give you. Uh, a framework around which you can start to, to to drive and negotiate with them in a way that, that gets things moving forward. So cutting to the chase, let's assume that they are very um, linear in their process. Um, practically, some of the things you can do would be uh, providing uh, follow through and expediency where, wherever possible. If they're very linear and want to, to have certainty, providing that follow up um, with them and giving it in a timely fashion will um, build trust with that individual. If they are very linear in the way that they um, they uh, view the negotiation with you, squirrel. Um, the other thing to do is thinking about deadlines, which of course is probably so critical now, given the particular example that you're you're talking about. If there's a deadline that can't be met, um, about being in solution mode for someone like that, so getting ahead of it and offering an alternative and then sticking to that wherever possible. And, and that that allows them to have a degree of certainty in dealing with you at an individual level that the people who are very linear desperately look for, particularly, uh, and in fact, especially when 
conflict arises or there's pressure points in a, in a relationship or in a negotiation. And is this the sort of thing that you'd bring up with them? Is this, this would you say yes. to them, um, hey, I, I think that you're relatively linear in your thinking and therefore um, uh, let's uh, lay out the agenda ahead of time. Uh, actually, it's entertaining because the client I have has a very non-linear person who's actually in charge of the negotiation. So this may, this may give some insight into why that negotiation is not going so well. So so on, on my side, on the, uh-huh. the my client's side, <laughs> there's a very non-linear thinker. So that, that could be exactly the problem. But that person would then adjust her approach to be more linear is that what she would do or or what would what would she first she would discuss it is what i think i've understood and say hey i think you're kind of linear and i'm kind of not so can we um uh, stick to this agenda i'll do my best to stick to it yeah and you you may well you may well not be quite as as direct and funny enough that's also one of the values but you might not be as direct as that but, but you having got a flavor of how they work you know for example they are um, if they're very haphazard in their approach and you can see that they, their attention is, is difficult and they seem to merge personal information with professional, those are some of the indicators that, of the fact they're non-linear. Now, how would you, as a linear person, deal with that individual? Um, it may be that you, you need to look at things in terms of their relational impact, explain the relational impact for, or for you and for them if a deadline isn't met or it's continually pushed back. And you may well have to offer them a menu of options in terms of the criteria um, that you need to have them hit. And and within that, you're allowing them to choose um, where flexibility can come. And you're explaining where flexibility can't come in relation to each of those bullet points. And so you get a sort of priority list of half a dozen issues that you've got on the table or um, bullet points, topics you need to get through, targets you need to hit. And that is how you can utilize someone's non-linear preference for your benefit, you being someone who is very linear. And I understand here, uh, so uh, Mark, we're kind of now in the second part here of you're demonstrating some of the um, cultural intelligence capabilities. Is that right? Because you're saying that having, yes. it, having identified my values and the values of my counterparts, uh, I am now... Um, uh, using some of the, what, what are the capabilities that you have in mind that you're applying right now as you're generating this advice? And uh, what are the other capabilities that we should be aware of as we're looking to, to develop our, our cultural intelligence? Great question. And, and because I've um, been so immersed in this for the last couple of years, I'm sort of doing it now in that subconscious part of the brain, breaking it down. What I've done in the way I've asked those questions and um, utilizing that information. Um, I've I've broken it down into capabilities into four areas. So um, number one, uh, and not that there's a particular starting point, but where I personally prefer to start is thinking about someone's uh, drive. So um, first capability I would look to is, is what we call CQ drive, and that ultimately is gauging the level of interest, um, and that is um, internal interest, so intrinsic interest that they have in doing a deal and coming to an agreement and coming to the negotiation table. Um, then you look at questioning to understand their external interests. So it could quite literally be the tangible deliverables that they will benefit by doing a deal with you. And then the other is gauging their drive in terms of their ability to adapt 
to the circumstances with which they're faced. That, that what by that I mean how efficient are they and how confident are they in being effective in this very diverse um, situation that they find themselves in. And so you've got all that going on when it, when you're thinking about seat you drive. Um, a lot of a lot of people will also use the word motivation. You know, why are they at the table? Why are they speaking to meet squirrel specifically at this time? And what are those internal and external drivers? And how confident are they? Um, then you've got to think about um, the knowledge. So once you've got an idea of the drive, why are they there? You then need to think about um, what knowledge do I have to amass? How can I better understand what is influencing their thinking? And there are uh, four areas to consider there. One is the economic, so the, the business and economic system within which they operate. You've then got some things which are a little bit more nuanced. Um, one of them is sociolinguistics. That's about their language and communication norms. So particularly thinking about squirrels, a healthcare um, situation. There's going to be some mnemonics, some lexicon and language that they use that may have a lot of cultural undertones that we aren't really aware of, but we need to understand to be able to, to fully get a picture of exactly what it is we're going to do when it comes to putting our strategy together. Mm. Um, and the the third capability is what we call the strategy, CQ strategy. And that's, in layman's terms, where the, the real planning and preparation uh, comes in. And that's around thinking very particularly about what are the what are the variables at play um, and so it comes back to my point about those variables those priorities okay in my in my plan here i've got to strategize for someone who's non-linear so let's put these in an order of most importance you know down to to least importance and maybe i'll, I'll put a timeline uh, against each of those as well when we're strategizing this is the point at which if i was on uh, squirrel's team i want i'd want to utilize the differences of perspectives in my team as a, as a way of sense checking and we're putting together so that's also part of the, the strategic ease or capability it is a real awareness of is the plan we're putting together here something that that i am putting together because of my bias and my preference um, or have i really taken account of all parties and in particular customer or the client sitting in front of it. And then last and by no but by no means least, the final phase is the action or the implementation capability. Um, and that is something that I, I take very literally to be, um, because it is literally, how am I going to act in the room before, during and after uh, the negotiation, the meeting, um, with the counterpart, uh, and that comes down to the detail and minutiae of um, language in email, particularly if it's going out to a, a diverse group. Um, is it that because they're very non-linear, the danger of an email is that I'm going to send it prior to the meeting with an agenda, and they're just not going to read it, <laughs> um, or, or, or I'll have a I'll have a phone conversation with them that is. Uh, a week before we're going to have the meeting. And again, because they're non-linear, they processed it at the time, they understood, but they've just gone off and done another 10,000 things. When in fact, what I should do is have that um, uh, pre-meeting, if you like, um, 
conference call um, an hour or maybe just a day before I have the main meeting where we're going to go through all the detail. Um, so it's things like Speech Act, which um, is about modifying the content and manner of how you communicate and the email versus phone call is an illustration of that. And then you've got your uh, NVC, your nonverbal communication. Um, and to be clear for those who might not be not being patronizing to your listening audience, but that's about how you modify your verbal behavior and your nonverbal behavior. And again, if you've got someone who's very nonlinear, it may be in the room, ensuring you engage eye contact um, and locking in, perhaps even slowing down the rate of your sentence because then they're forced to lean in and listen to you and, and you know you've got them and their conscious brain is engaging with you. Um, forgive me for rabbiting on for several minutes, but... but <laughs> That's what we invited you here to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, in in a, a nutshell, and, and making it as simple as possible without oversimplifying it, um, that's what the capabilities are all about. So it, it drive, that's the idea of motivation, and then knowledge, you know, amassing uh, as much data as you can, both hard and soft data about what for them are their cultural norms and values. Then we're looking at the, the um, strategy and that's about the idea of metacognition. So if knowledge is cognition, strategy is the metacognition. Okay, let's plan this through and sense check it. And then as I've alluded to, okay, now let's implement our plan uh, and look at how we're going to execute in that negotiation room, over the phone, virtually, in an email. And, and the one final thing to note, gentlemen, is that the capabilities are cyclical. So you can see that one forms the other, informs the other, informs the next. And you can really drill down almost ad nauseum to, to get <laughs> the kernel, the kernel of what it is you're looking for. Right. I think now, obviously, in the in our brief podcast, we're not going to have a chance to um, we can do more than really just introduce this framework to people, and we'll we'll at the, we'll have links in the show notes for where people can learn more. Um, I did want to conclude. You and I, in in discussing being on the podcast, uh, we're talking about the applicability of it to our audience. And I thought you had one story that would be worth um, uh, covering, uh, which which was a place where you were able to um, bring this and help uh, solve a problem that was happening with um, cross silo conflict. And I think this is particularly relevant for this audience, because very often that's what people are seeing. You know, with the conference track that Squirrel and I were speaking on yesterday was uh, the uh, DevOps, um, uh, or perhaps even it was a DevSecOps, and um, this idea of cross-silo um, uh, collaboration and cross-silo conflict is um, such a, a common thing that um, I think both Squirrel and I encounter. So can you, you tell us about that, uh, that example and how uh, cultural intelligence uh, helped you out? Uh, absolutely. Um, what we found with this particular client is um, and the the cultural value, excuse me, that we focused on um, for it was uh, it became apparent uh, that time orientation, time was a, a, a real factor here. And what I mean by that is that the 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 conflict was between the sales and marketing teams, as many people can relate to, often have to work hand in glove. Um, the sales team very typically were. Um, very short-termist in their time or in time orientation, quarterly results, quarterly report, and all of that drove ultimately their, their bonuses and success. But they were often beholden to the marketing team, who for this client had a five-year strategy of how they were going to develop the brand and take the customer on a marketing journey. 
Right. And so <laughs> what you what you had was um, therefore a marketing team that were very long termist in their view and and also weren't appropriately incentivized to adapt their preference time orientation to be more in line with the sales teams and vice versa. So what we suggested was um, input of someone, either a key stakeholder, if not the entire team, on the marketing side of the business to be engaged in those quarterly reviews and indeed targeted um, on a quarterly criteria that was much more closely aligned with sales teams' quarterly criteria. And it was a question of uh, then you could bridge that gap and, and they could understand how you know help me to help you would be a relevant conversation. And likewise, the sales teams, rather than reacting to what the marketing team were doing, had much more scope by um, having shared information between the two parties to understand the five-year journey the market, marketing team were on, and in turn could explain that and leverage that with their customers in order to drive those sales in, in, in short term with, with a viewpoint to also looking at the long-term relationship with that customer. And that's a very simple, broad strokes example from something I did just in the last six months of how both parties were talking the same language but couldn't understand each other. And cultural <laughs> intelligence came in to be able to, to facilitate that change and drive an innovative solution for a real internal problem that I know many many of your listeners will have. Right. I, I really like that example because it, it's a very concrete. Uh, uh, you can see how you, you were living up to saying using the, the framework to kind of a, a diagnose the differences in values. Uh, and then uh, um, plan what you could do differently to to change the behavior and turn what was friction between these two groups into collaboration and end up with uh, improved execution both in the short term and in the long term. Yes. I mean, in, in, in a sentence, what it allowed to do and what it allowed the teams to do is look is look for the commonalities where perhaps they didn't even know they, they were there. And, and cultural intelligence allows us to get there quicker um, and drive, you know, the, all the, the cost savings or, or profits and benefits that um, you otherwise might see go by the wayside. Because as you said, right at the top of the, of the podcast, often people look at difference and just want to walk away from it or see it as negativity. Right. All right. Well, th thank you very much for taking us through that. Um, if uh, any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you, we'll go ahead and put a link in our show notes to you, uh, your LinkedIn profile. And I think you said that's the best way for people to contact you. Yes, I um, am utilizing LinkedIn day and night, so that'd be great. Thank you very much. All right, fantastic. And we'll put some other show notes in, uh, some things that you've told us, uh, the website Cultural Q, uh, that'll be in the show notes as well, and a couple uh, Wikipedia links for on cultural intelligence and intercultural competence. And uh, hopefully that gives uh, people more than enough uh, the, uh, information to follow up on. And uh, if you have any questions about this, uh, please do get in touch with Mark. Uh, and if you uh, try applying this. Not only let Mark know, but let us know. We always like to hear from from listeners when they try things, uh, and uh, hear how it goes. So uh, thank great. you, Mark, for bringing it to us. Indeed, if you want, if you do want to get in touch with us, that's uh, conversationaltransformation.com. That's us, and uh, that's where you can hear about our book and where you can uh, uh, find us on Twitter and email and any other method carrier pigeon, anything you'd like to use. <laughs> and we always like it when people click the subscribe button if they've got one in the app they're using. Don't do that while you're driving. Wait till you're finished. But uh, if you're out jogging, you know, pull aside for a second, give us a, a quick subscribe because we're here every Wednesday and uh, we have interesting folks like Mark on who have clever ideas like culture intelligence. Excellent. Well, thanks to both of you. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you.